0: Hello, and welcome to the Hope Story Circle from the Peace Alliance. It's so nice to see all of you today, and I hope on the podcast you're having a wonderful day and seeing so many wonderful smiling faces here. Um, Welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance and I'm joined by Liz Gannon Graydon, another board member, and by Yelena Popovich, who is our teaching peace and schools lead to facilitate today. We're so excited to see everyone. And our special guest is a dear, dear, longtime friend of mine, Linda Bergman. And Linda has a really wonderful story to tell. And Linda, if you could unmute yourself, I just wanna say hello. Let's see. Can you see how to unmute?
1: There you go. But I've lost the picture. You did. We see you. <laughs> Do you see? <laughs> I don't see you Oh, huh? some reason, and I would love to. Did you Should I sign it? back in? Did you stop video? Uh, I just hit unmute. So, Linda, hello. Good morning. Hmm.
0: It's so nice to see you.
1: Thank you. So nice to be here. I feel honored and blessed uh, to speak to this group that you does a, so much.
0: Thank you. You have a wonderful story to tell. Um, but I also just want to acknowledge you are um, a wonderful screenwriter. You have written many screenplays and you teach screenplay writing. Can you I tell us about your most recent teaching adventures?
1: Yeah, the mo- I just finished... Uh, working in uh, Mexico, actually. I work in Canada, America, and Mexico for a number of companies and um, I love it. And I do have uh, private classes, actually one coming up in June where people who couldn't meet the organized classes will come to my personal space and I'll redo it for them.
0: Wonderful, that's exciting. I know you love teaching. I do. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, we're gonna, um, before we begin your story, we're gonna take just a few minutes for Yelena to lead us all in a meditation to bring us all in and get us grounded. So Yelena, could you start with us?
2: Lee, hello, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whatever time you're listening to this podcast, good day to you. Um, I'm just going to lead us in a little bit of centering just to kind of welcome us all into this moment and into Linda's story so that we are um, ready to hear it with our full selves, with our body, with our hearts, with our mind and with our spirit. So as you start just finding a way to come into this moment, Maybe breath will take you there. So maybe a breath, noticing a gentle way breath can bring us here now. Or perhaps it's just your connection with earth. How it feels to be in connection with with earth right now, knowing we are all Touching it at this moment, and perhaps inviting inviting either ancestors, spirits, people that care for you in this moment. feeling the care and love that holds you, that holds your back, holds your front and allows you to feel the peace, know you're loved, you're accepted. And if it helps, finding a way to hold yourself, perhaps giving yourself a gentle hug, placing your hand on your heart. Let it, let it rain over you, this love and care. Let it soften you. you. Huh? Yeah. And just when you are ready, allow yourself to come into this moment with that love and peace. Thank you. And welcome,
1: Linda. Thank you. Elena, that was so beautiful. I went very deep with you. Thank you. So, today's story uh, is coming full circle this year after 24 years of battle. What comes to mind to start is how many doors to the unknown are open to us every single day. And what decisions we make. Do we take the first one, the middle one? Like Alice in Wonderland, do we wait for the very last one? Or do you take none? The day of my 50th birthday, I was diagnosed with leukemia. I remember the party that night being a blur. Chuck and I stood in a corner. My husband Chuck is watching, and held on to each other, wondering, what do we do? now? It was hard to talk and smile, but I remember we kept up this facade until everybody left and then sort of collapsed. I was a TV writer, producer between movies. This was when I had the only free time to go to the OB-GYN, to go to my doctor, to get my roots done, to get my nails done, to get myself back together personally. I had just finished a movie about Michael Landon and his struggle to stay alive with pancreatic cancer when I myself got sick. And I often wondered if writing so deeply about his suffering brought on my own. When my doctor told me that my white count was extremely high, I said, I think I have a tooth infected, take it again. He did. And then he sent me to an oncologist. I remember that moment like yesterday, the incredulousness of the word oncology, my hand on the doorknob. Both of my parents succumbed to cancer. My kids were just teenagers. How could this happen? This has gotta be a mistake. But I turned the knob, I opened that door. And it was a door handle to the unknown. And so when I think about it, how many times do we open doors to the unknown? What kind of bravery is that? It's either stupidity, or it's extreme bravery. The next choice was do I accept taking a bone marrow test, never had one, to see if I had the Philadelphia chromosome, the true positive of the cancer they suspected, the only way to tell. I saw the size of the needle and just agreed that they should knock me out for this test. I was dizzy and sleepy for a number of hours afterwards. The test confirmed I had CML, chronic myelogenic leukemia. It's often deadly and aggressive form. What do I do now? I got it. Great. What do I do? City is full of oncologists. I now have to find the one to take care of me. I chose City of Hope. I met the indefatigable Stephen Foreman. And anybody who knows him will say that's the perfect word. He was the head of oncology at City of Hope and said to me, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. And I kept thinking, hasn't it already happened? Could this be worse? But the wondrous thing about Steve Foreman was he didn't just treat me. He treated our whole family. He met with my daughter, he met with my son. He talked to them as though he'd known them forever. He also mentioned that there was a new medicine coming down the pike a couple of years out. And that if I lived long enough, I would be happy to, he would be happy to give it to me. I endured another bone marrow test for his vials. That knocked me out almost for two days. Since I learned I had to have them monthly, this was a big waste of time considering I didn't know how much time I had left. So I went, how long does this take after you knock me out from beginning to end? He said, if he worked fast, he could get the giant six inch needle through my butt cheek into my sacrum and then the marrow in and out in about five to six minutes. Well, I thought again, I had a baby without any anesthesia. Surely I can do this. I'm going to choose door number three, the one that will make this horrible situ- situation hopefully go away and be painfully real. So, for three years afterwards, Chuck would hold my feet in a death grip. So, my focus would go there. And I would deep breathe through excruciating pain just so I could be in the world afterwards. I could work, I could write, I could help my kids with their homework. So early on, I learned Dr. Foreman only had five patients who lived, five patients who lived with this cancer and they were still alive. And I said, could I talk to them? We'd all been given five years. We in the hospital were on a search for my, for a match, a bone marrow match. And they would have given me a bone marrow transplant, but Nobody came in the world, worldwide search. Nobody matched me. Not my kids, not my brother, not my husband. Would a stranger have to show up? Would he? Would she please? No. So it turned out no one showed up and I had no door opened. Let's go back to the doors. But the three survivors came to my house. I was overcome by their graciousness and their willingness to tell me, I hoped, how they got be- how they were still with us. They wanted to tell me how they got it. And they told me their stories. There was an Amish gentleman from Northern California who worked in an almond farm with his brothers. He was the accountant, and he made a huge mistake that cost the boys, the family, the business. A- hundreds of thousands of dollars. After he cleaned it up, which was some time, he got this disease. Then there was a therapist who came and she had a teenage client who committed suicide and the family sued her for the life of their daughter. After the trial was over, after everything settled, she got CML. And then there was the mother who's, child whose teenage daughter needed a kidney and she gave her the kidney. And after they both were okay, she got CML. Trauma that was so deep that it changed the formation of her chromos- of our chromosomes. So I had to look at what that was for me. And that was there for me. Chuck had a reversal in his business that didn't want me to know about, didn't want to worry me but it affected everything when I found out. I didn't know who he was. How could he not trust me with that information? How could he not let my brain work with his to fix it? It was rough. It was a rough time. I, we, we were in big trouble. I asked that the treatment not begin until my kids were b'nai mitzvahed together a month away. We had a big celebration planned at Universal Studios and I didn't wanna be weakened for it. The Monday after the party, I started chemo. The second I started it, I got cold sores from my tongue to my vagina. It was the most painful situation I had ever experienced. So I graduated to another drug, an injectable drug that gave me the worst flu I ever had. And I had to inject myself or Chuck would inject me every day. Soon I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't eat. I couldn't write, I couldn't help the kids. I couldn't cook. We were starting marriage therapy. My hair started falling out. I was mumbling and poking my shoe to make a call instead of the phone. And the kids were watching now silently to try to figure out what's what's going on. Something else was going on. Adam, our son at 14, caught me crying far too many times. In writing later about the tough times, he said, and this is a quote, the last thing any kid wants to hear is that his parents have cancer. It's your worst nightmare. I watched it come into our house and try to bake apart my family. I watched it creep inside my father and sister. I felt it inside me and watched it try to kill my mom. I also saw four human beings triumph over it in a way I can't describe in words. He's 14 and he says, I saw a woman defy all odds. I saw a woman with an expiration date muster more power than any cancer could ever bestow on her. I watched our family come together to beat it. Now my daughter, Sarah was 16, final semester of high school. And every time she saw me, my hair all thatched, skinny, walking like a cripple from the meds, making no verbal sense, she would break out in tears and run away. I thought it was the hair, so I bought a wig. She cried even harder at the wig. She was, after all, dealing with the demons that cancer brings to a family. In her words, she was surviving, but she was resentful that the crisis was upon us. She was struggling every minute from her fear and searching for ways to find understanding and meaning. She was trying to cope. She was desperate to be with me and desperate to be away from me. She said she came in one night, one day when I was napping and it was really peaceful in the room and she thought, what if mom was dead? Wouldn't that make us all feel better? And then she told me, that's what you say when you are in such fear that the words come out wrong. All she really wanted was to be a happy graduate and go to her prom. It wasn't to be. I was too sick to be with people. The worst part for me was the dull ache of fear that permeates the mind and body and every moment of my day, terror reigns supreme. With the fear comes resentment and anger. And for me, a very uncomfortable self-centeredness. I always say that I'm not one who has to talk about myself. I was very confident in my, in my skills, confident in my skills back then, my skill set. And I knew who I was. And for all those months, all I heard was, how are you? You know, how are you? Now, I love that my friends cared, but I was grateful, but I didn't like talking about it because I was scheduled to die and there was nothing coming down the pike that showed us any difference. I did go into remission once. Chuck was so excited he booked a cruise. On board the remission ended and I had to take my drugs again and I never could get out of bed to even see Greece. I hung on a lot with God that trip, and I succumbed to him and said, whatever you need me to do, whatever side of the veil you want me on, I'm with you. And there's where I found another door. I made a choice. I quit the treatment. My numbers were terrible. Dr. Foreman received my love letter releasing him and the hospital from any liability. And he called me right away and he said, are you sure? I said, yes, I would rather leukemia take my life when and if it does. And then I can be with my kids. I can help them. I can be conscious. I can get out of bed. He said, are you sure? I said, yes. He said, good. That's not what I expected him to say. The new drug he mentioned way back when was being put into study use and I could start in uh, two weeks if I joined the study. There was only one chair left and he was holding it for me. I was so weak and addle-brained I couldn't agree to any more drugs. Over the Christmas break, the kids and I hung out, huddled, cried, laughed, watched movies and we argued about me going on to the study which started January 1. By January 1, I agreed to try it. And the first day I did, I got horribly sick at UCLA. And I headed for the door. I said, I'm out. It's not going to work. And a nurse grabbed me and said, hold on. Did you eat breakfast? I said, no. And she says, you can't take this without food. And you should take it at night. So I did. The next day I took it at night. It worked. I had to lose to win. I had to be brave enough to open the door to another what if. By, not, by March, my number showed I was cancer-free. Three months. How is that possible? A miracle? Maybe, part of one. I got written up in Time Magazine for being one of the first to be cancer-free I lobbied hard on the radio for drug companies to pay all of the charges of a study after seeing so many women holding their kids during chemo without resource or support to care for them. So to pay for the study, you have to pay for the shots, you have to pay for the injections, you have to pay for the nurses. And I thought the drug companies that were taking all the money should do it. I volunteered at City of Hope twice a week to give back. And I took that drug for 19 years. Here's another new door, another shift. The irony of that was when the pandemic started last March, year ago, March, Dr. Foreman called and said, you've got to get off that drug immediately. It could kill you. You mean the drug that saved my life? Yeah. He says it's taken away your immune system and you don't want COVID to get you. So... I need you off the drug today and I need you to come back every two months during the COVID to the hospital, which isn't where you want to go during COVID and uh, we'll check. Well, the the first, the whole year of not taking the miracle drug and I don't have a cancer cell in my body. I'm obviously here and some say I'm well, (laughs) others question, but this is what I haven't told you. I haven't told you about my relationship with Annabelle Chaplin. She was an honored healer on the west side of LA an author of the best-selling books, The Presence of the Light and The Bright Light of Death. I met her when she was 83 and I attended her classes every week. There were about a dozen of us and the classes were meditative and were offered to teach us her mental imagery system to heal ourselves and others in life, and even those who have passed over. Her studies believe that the dead in a significant relationship with you, hold on to you and many are still in their grip. Sometimes that pressure of that relationship on the other side creates tension in you and creates a atmosphere for a disease. Wow. When she heard my diagnosis, she worked and asked the others to work on my illness in class. But then after about a year in treatment, she said, I want you all by yourself. When I arrived, she asked me to sit across from her on the sofa while she took an armchair. She said she had spent the night with the angels and was ready to heal. And I said, what do I do? She says, just believe and be open. Well, As if someone was standing with a fire hose on full throttle, I was suddenly battered by and filled with energetic gold light. It was so strong, it knocked me back into the sofa. I burst into tears. Annabelle, what is this? What is it? She said, it's God, darling. Then I passed out. I don't have any idea how long I laid there. But when I woke up, this little wee 83 year old lady was not in the room. So I found her in bed because she was exhausted. And she said she had, didn't have the strength for many years to do that, but that the angels had helped her all the night before. Now, did I, I questioned it, but I experienced it. I did not make it up. So a number of years after, and this is the end of my story, there's a the there's a a building near us that has light workers and objects to pray. and and I saw the name Annabelle as I walked by on as a she's a healer, and she would give readings. So I thought, I gotta go meet this Annabelle. Mine had long since passed. she passed at ninety three. When I walked in, she was way in the back reading a book. And then she heard that she had a job and they had a customer. And I watched her walk to her little room to meet me at the door. And she was holding a book. And when she got near me, she went, have you been healed? And I said, yes. And she said, by Annabelle Markson. And that was the book she was holding, was Annabelle's. Now, it wasn't just me saying this really happened. And she still comes when I call her, her bright face fills my screen, my headspace, whenever I need her, even from the other side. So how was I healed? Was it a miracle? Was it hard work and a miracle? Probably. That's it for now.
0: Thank you, Linda what a beautiful story seeing applause all over the pages <laughs> thank you we we do want to have an inquiry to go into our breakout rooms with the elena or liz would one of you like to frame it for us don't both speak at once <laughs> <laughs>
3: Elena, yeah, did you want to use the one that came for you in the call or would you like me to
2: frame something? If there is anything Liz that is coming um, to you right now, that would be lovely. Um, I'm, I'm, my heart is really quivered and it's um, yeah, I don't know if the one from yesterday is the right one. So mm. what,
3: what was coming up for me, you know, as we move into breakout rooms? Um, is to some degree or other, we're all opening a door to the unknown right now, right? As we move out of this time, we've been connecting this whole time during the pandemic. And and for many of us, we're opening doors either in our personal lives that are specific to us or generally as a world, we're opening really unknown doors. So as you move into your groups, maybe we could uh, have a discussion and inquiry around, um, either in this moment, how you feel walking into the unknown, or was there a time like um, Linda just described when you had to face your own unknown door and you'd like to share how you navigated that or how you think you intend to navigate this, if that makes sense as an I
0: Just put all of that into the chat.
3: Thank you, Terry.
0: So I think that's perfect. Um, I'm going to pause the recording and then we'll come back after the breakout rooms and start again. All right, well, welcome back everyone. i love you. to hear from people. If anyone would like to share, you can unmute yourself and just share what's alive for you right now. What's, what's bubbling up? And you can raise your hand. We had a
1: great room. We talked about self-healing. And uh, Robert has a lot to contribute, as did Bonnie Lee. I was just so moved by it. And Chuck remembered that during the whole BS that I went through was that I read constantly Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra. I was filling myself with this those that believed in self-healing. And I entered the, that space. I mean, it took work. I had to study it to understand my options.
0: <clears throat> Wonderful. Yeah. Reading is, is very helpful at all times. Bill, did you have something you wanted to share?
4: Yeah, I, I wanted to thank you, Linda, and 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 our hosts for just taking me on such a wonderful journey. Uh, uh, there is a reason why I got back to this meeting. I, you know, I was sharing that I just had my final interview at City of Hope yesterday for a position there. So we shall we shall see. Uh, but it still is a sort of like turning the turning the knob because even if they do offer the position there are countervailing things that I need to take into consideration. So that's, so that's one thing. But I was just in, your share hit me on so many different points. My own personal journey with cancer, as well as losing some family members at the beginning of this year. But there was a part of, of the, that we talked about being connected with those who have gone before us and being, and at that part of the journey, I found myself cradled on my mom's shoulder who died over 35 years ago and my aunt who just passed this week, and, and, and they were the two sisters. And even though I was sad that I lost my aunt, the joy of thinking of, you know, the Hill girls together again. And I was there with my mom and my aunt was there. And so it, it was a joyous experience. So thank you.
1: I'm so grateful to hear that. And- Thank you. I just, Bill, my finger cr- fingers are crossed. No one works in City of Hope that isn't an exceptional human being. Mm.
4: So you'd fit right in. That was my impression, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> would someone else like to share? Caroline? Uh, yes. I,
4: I, I would like to just say that uh, um, one of the miraculous healings that I have been involved with, mm. I wrote up uh in a two-page story and i would like to share it if anyone is interested in reading it uh i i'm on facebook my name is robert lever l-e-a-v-e-r uh, or or if you uh, can provide me with a uh, with, with an email address i will send it to a, a central point well
0: we you can send it to info at peacealliance.org but we have no way of sharing it with everyone here because we don't have email addresses for this is not what uh, such where people register. So, I'll check in with
1: your Facebook page, yeah. Robert.
0: Yeah. People can check your Facebook and join you there.
4: Great. Thank you. Yeah,
0: thank you. Would someone else like to share? Looks like Carol Ann. Carol Ann. Can you unmute yourself?
2: Carol
0: Ann. I'm mm. muted if you'd care to speak.
1: Or anyone else? It's uh Carol Ann, it's to the lower left on your screen. No, she's unmuted. I just oh, don't know if she can hear us. Nice. She's putting on head earphones.
0: Yeah, I see that. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I, I'm not sure that's sure about Zoom. Um, I've used it where once you get all connected, I don't have to wear the headset, but I guess not in this case. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I got have gotten some emails, so I decided to try this out. Well, wonderful. We're glad you did. Did you want to share anything from the breakout room? No, because I didn't have my speakers connected, oh, so I oh, didn't I see. So, yeah, I'm um, are you doing dealing anything with the Middle East conflict? Well, the Peace Alliance is interested in conflict globally. We're not doing anything specifically on that that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, but you can check. Our, we will send out emails if we have any action for people to take or any information to share or you can go to our Facebook page for Peace Alliance. Are you doing anything with Latin America? Not specifically, no. Okay. But thank you for pointing it out. And anyone else like to share anything that came out of the breakout rooms, any of the conversations that you were having with others? Yeah, I do. Wonderful, Beth
5: go ahead yeah i'm really uh happy that there's a ceasefire i you know would like to see you know um this be an ongoing ceasefire i'm just so tired of uh this uh being a uh, uh something that's been going on for too long you know and i'm glad that the attitudes are changing in uh congress and um and i think in the senate though i'm not sure Mm. yeah
0: um kathy kidd is our national field director she's on the call what Kathy Kidd is our field director and national field director, and she's on the call right now. And she did post in the chat that we do have speakers coming up for the national monthly call that are working internationally. Kathy, do you do you want to speak more to that? Well, nothing. Are you important. asking me? No, um, Kathy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. in talks
2: with a couple of people that are doing some amazing work internationally. And so as soon as we get that confirmed, it'll come out in our newsletters.
0: Wonderful. Oh, okay. Our National Monthly calls is the second Tuesday of every month. So you can check the calendar of events at our website to find out about it. Yeah,
5: I mean, that's good, though.
0: Yeah. Would anybody else like to share anything that's bubbling up for you right now? Jack, did you
5: raise your hand? Well, I would just like to say, um, we're great supporters of City of Hope. Um, they're one of the nine can- national cancer medical centers sprinkled around the country. And Bill S., um, just hearing your share, I would say you belong there. Mm. Because the City of Hope has a very um, touch phrase. They say, there's no point in healing the body if you're not also healing the soul. And that takes a very special person, um, which from your share, I think you are. Um, And I just think they're a very supportive um, community for the world, which is what we need. We need support in all areas, all ethnicities, all levels of income. We need to put the world back together. And I don't think there's a thing that City of Hope is involved in that wouldn't go right along with what the Peace Alliance stands for. Mm -hmm. And Bill S, get out there. (laughs) That's all, Terry.
0: Thank you, Chuck, appreciate that. Any one last share before we start to close? I I I have a question. Yes. Uh, What exactly does the Peace Alliance do? Funny you should mention that. I'm about to put things in the chat that are all about the Peace Alliance. Okay. So our mission is we empower civic action for a culture of peace. I'm going to put things in the chat. You can go to our website and learn more all about the cornerstones, all of our activities and everything we're doing. Um, We also... And we have these calls, international monthly calls on a podcast called Peace On and I have the link there to the podcasts. Our hope story circles, we have them on the second and fourth Saturday of every month. So we'd love to have all of you come back and join us again. We also have the blueprint for peace. That's a fairly major initiative that we've got going for over a year now. And with a single click, you could contact all of your state and federal elected officials and let them know that you support policy for supporting peace building and violence reduction. And you can add to that message any particular thing you want to talk about. Um, But it's a great way to connect with your elected officials and be an active citizen. We also are a nonprofit, a small nonprofit. We appreciate monthly donations in particular and any donation of any size. And there's also the link to the calendar of events at at the website and you can go look forward the next Hope Story Circle, the National Monthly Call, and anything else that we might be promoting that that might involve other organizations that have related endeavors. So with that, Liz, would you like to bring us to a close?
3: Yeah, thank, I first wanna really thank you, Terry, as always for hosting the space and Yelena for your uh, beautiful presence. And Linda, just thank you so much for your story. And I think what's coming up for me as I listened to everyone speak today is anyone who knows me for any length of time knows that part of my peace building training has been uh, several teachers who taught me the fastest way to change the world is to change the stories that we tell. And it's why I love to meet together in story. And what was coming up for me, Linda, is you know from our Discuss our planning discussion last night that the the specifics of your story resonated very deeply with me but the thing that's powerful about storytelling is the more specific you get in your story the more you share your truth whether or not the specifics are similar to your the life or the of the listener it helps everyone get to their truth, right? The more specifically you tell the details of your story, even if the listener doesn't share those details, it gets them closer to their truth as well because you're sharing your truth. And one of the things I wanted to um, say by, share by way of closing is a few words. I was re- before, I, um, before I got on call this morning, I was doing my reading and a friend had sent me this book, See No Stranger, a memoir of and Manifesto of Revolutionary Love. And as I was preparing for the call this morning, I came up with her first chapter is a chapter of wonder. And she said she felt the way to peace is for us to all just wonder about one another. She said, when you see someone who looks different, wonder about them. I wonder what that person eats for dinner every night. And I'll just share one paragraph, wondering about others helps us to wonder about ourselves. What stereotypes have we absorbed? Where do they come from? All of us assume we're good people, but if we set aside labels like good and bad, we can wonder about our effect in the world. Which of our actions create the world we want? Which destroy it? We can begin to let go of the stories that no longer serve us. It took an instant from my best childhood friend to see me through the lens of a theology that severed our connection. Stories that divide the world into us Mm -hmm. and them have the power to disconnect us, but stories that expand the we have a power to return us to one another. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading that, I thought of a piece of wisdom that my dad shared with me. when I was little, there are two pieces of, he gave me millions of pieces of wisdom, but there are two that I use every single day. He told me um, the easiest way to turn someone you think you don't like, or, or, you know, he's, I don't use the word hate very often, but I'm quoting someone you think you hate to someone you can love is to hear their story. And then the other thing he said was when you walk into a room, sit down next to the person you think is most different from yourself and talk with them until you find something you have in common. And so what I kind of invite us to do in the next two weeks till we gather again is when you see a stranger, even if they're just someone down the street, go into that wondering that Valerie said, even if you wanna just go on a mind wander, right? Oh, <laughs> well, I wonder what that person loves. I wonder where that person's heading and tell yourself a story that helps you connect to even the strangers walking down the street. So I just wanna say thank you for joining us. I offer you that gift of wondering about the people that we pass in our lives. I thank you again, Linda, for connecting with us and everyone who joined the call. Um, Have a beautiful two weeks. And Bill, I look forward to hearing what comes up from your decision.
0: (laughs) Feel free to unmute yourself and say goodbye. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Thank, thank Did you, you thank say you. this would
4: go back to? Thank you, thank you, thank Meeting you.
0: every Saturday. Thank you very much. The second and thank fourth you.
5: Saturdays. Just the second and fourth.
1: That's correct.
5: Yeah.
1: Okay. Hi, Linda Lavin. Hi, sweetie. I love you and you. And yeah. Thank you, Linda. Yeah. Thanks. Hi,
5: much
0: you nice
1: guys. Everyone. Oh, bye. Bill. I can't wait to hear. I want to know. <laughs>
0: All right.
2: <laughs> bye, bye. Hi, everybody. Thank
0: Thank you you. you very much. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by
2: the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.